love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm one of your hosts today, Haley Chura. I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski and extra special guest, Jocelyn Wong Neal. Are we, are we using all three names right now? Wong Star? What yes. should we call you, Jocelyn? <laughs> I can still go by Wong Star. Okay. Okay. So we have the Wong Star here as our expert commentator because this is our extra special 70.3 Worlds preview show. And Jocelyn, we had you as a guest on the show, I think it was a while ago. And, um, but a lot has happened in your life since then. Can you like give us what, what's been going on? Hey, so it's so good to be back talking to you guys. Um, yeah, when you had me on the show, I was 16 weeks pregnant and now I have an almost two-year-old. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Time flies, man. <laughs> yeah, she turns two like the week after Thanksgiving. And I think you like you both had joked I was like the OG triathlon influencer. And I feel like I had one of the first pandemic babies. And then suddenly all these other pro women were popping out babies left and right. You they are definitely yeah, on it. <laughs> Clearly people are still following your social media, reading your blog, all of the above and yeah, heavily influencing the triathlon community. Um, and what about, I know I have seen some updates on Facebook. You are, you're running, you got back into like running races and you have a very big running race coming up. That's just around the corner. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I wrote into the mailbag for that special episode and Alyssa, I got that agility ladder. So I have been practicing my fancy footing for the JFK 50. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of JFK FOMO last year when I wasn't even like a year postpartum and I had done it two times before and it's the 60th anniversary this year. So I actually had this awesome idea to, I wanted to have an all Asian American women's team because there's a team competition. So I actually recruited Clarice Chastang, who you guys have also had on the show and two of my other friends. And so we made a team, it's called Crazy Fit Asians. And we are uh, four weeks out and we're all of course like regretting signing up for such a long race that we're in like deep into the long, long runs right now. Yeah, but oh, this race is going to be so fun. And you have done it two other times, but um, are you looking forward mostly to the trail portion or to the towpath portion? Like what's, what do you feel like your jam is for this race? Oh my gosh. So I also tore my meniscus in April, <laughs> which I kind of think is a postpartum injury because usually I have like a really strong quads and knees and I was still breastfeeding at the time. And I didn't know that when you're nursing, you're still, uh, you still have that hormone that gives you really lax ligaments. So I sneezed running downhill and tore my meniscus. It was this crazy freak accident. And so sneeze. I- yeah, yeah. I was back home in San Francisco running like hillier terrain than usual. And then 
sneezed at like mile 13 <laughs> while running downhill and my my knee just planted wrong oh so I yeah so I'm really just looking to get through that Appalachian Trail section like without any catastrophic falls hope my knee holds up and I feel like once I get through that then I'll be able to like get through the rest and the agility ladder will definitely help that was a good move then to yeah get you light on your feet yeah totally and Jocelyn wait did you did you do a triathlon recently because I we, you are you know OG pro influencer and but I believe you've returned to triathlon right yeah, so I actually, so I did a local half Ironman and I feel like that's going to probably be my distance because Ironman is like way too long, like being a mom and working a job and trying to do everything. But I feel like halves are like very manageable for like a normal working person who has kids. And speaking of the half distance, is that a good segue, you guys? Yes. Perfect. Yes. Amazing. Because <laughs> we have you on today to talk to you about a little race called the Ironman 70.3 World Championships that's coming up in St. George. So we're very excited to kind of get your perspective on things. And I guess first, I feel like I've been anticipating having you on because you much like myself, I will say I was touting my picks for the Ironman world championships for the, that I made a little bit much, but you also were. So I feel like you, like, are you nervous now? So backstory, you, um, you picked Chelsea Sidero for the podium, right? I don't think the win. win. Okay. So you did pick her for the win. So yeah, I mean, that's like a lot of pressure then to pick these picks are you do you feel like you need to go out on top and like tell us you got to go and like something's happened with the baby and you actually can't do it or are you ready to like dive <laughs> no I'm excited us? because I like to pick people that aren't the same as like everyone else's picks so I feel like everyone was like Daniela 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 and you know picks are also like super biased so I actually have personal ties to the Sidero family and uh, Chelsea's sister-in-law, Christine, has been like one of my closest girlfriends since like 15 years ago. She used to do triathlons. Now she does more cycling and cyclocross and mountain biking. But she was actually the MC at my wedding. So when she said her brother's girlfriend was getting into triathlons and thinking about going pro, I was, I've been keeping my eye on her and I knew she was going to do well. Well, excellent pick there. Good work. Um, I definitely, it definitely qualified you to be our expert, uh, throughout this podcast, but we, before we get to the picks, we got to start, we got to start with some, you know, just talk about this race because it's, it's going to be an exciting one, I think. And my first glance at the start list, I, I don't know if I should have been surprised or not surprised, but there's very little overlap between the women who raced the Ironman world championships in Kona and who plan to race the 70.3 worlds this year. Um, I think there's 65 women on the 70.3 world start list. And I only counted five Lucy, Charles Barclay, Ruth Astle, Manon Ganey, Kelly Filno, and Dimity Lee Duke, who also raced in Kona and Ruth. I'm just from social media, guessing she's not racing. Um, I think the others are, do you, what, why do you think, um, and then I'll share my opinions. Why do you think so few seem to be doing the double? So in the past, it's always been the 70.3 worlds that led up to Kona, right? 
So I think lot- since, uh, I think when it was in Clearwater, like, so like we're talking like 2010, it might've been after, but it's been a while. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in the past when it's 70.3 was before people doing Kona use it as a tune-up race because you don't get feet up. Like if we were going the other way around. So I feel like a lot of those Kona finishers are feeling it in their legs. I don't know, Haley, you did awesome. Oh, thank Congratulations. you. Are you still feeling it in your legs? Yeah, I'm still feeling it in like my pinky toe um, <laughs> and everything or like from the, like the tips of my hair to my, no, I mean, I, my thought is like, oh my gosh, I never, I never qualified for 70.3 worlds. I actually haven't, I think the only 70.3 I raced in the qualifying period was Indian Wells last year, but it just wasn't, I mean, and I saw plenty of St. George in May. I didn't need to go back, but um, so that was my personal thing, but I was surprised so few. Alyssa, do you have thoughts on that? Like why? I was, why yeah, I was going with that thought of I didn't cross reference it to May to see how many of the women had raced in May, you know. And it's like, man, it does. I mean, you got to give yourself a little space. And then like having raced in St. George and then having raced in in Kona, like two of those big hard races plus your other season, like it just feels like too soon to be going back. You know, three championship races in a year. I mean, it's just so much like mentally, let alone a lot for spectators. Like, come on, people. So. um uh, yeah, I think it's just, you know, too much, too much money, too much, you know, too much everything, I think. And people, I feel like post pay well, if we are post pandemic racing, I guess um, it's like, I think people are not feeling pressure to like have to go to races anymore. I think people are kind of picking and choosing a little bit more to like keep themselves hopefully healthy and also like mentally and physically, which is a good thing. So hopefully that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously Lucy is defending champion, so she had to go and she had a great race in, in Hawaii. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think Manone and Dimity Lee probably have, have, you know, they did not finish in Hawaii. So mm-hmm. I imagine that maybe they have some unfinished business business. Kelly Philno had a great race in Hawaii. So, um, but Kelly, Kelly raced a lot early in the year. So maybe she's just someone who can race a lot, but, um, We'll have to ask her next time we have her on, but it's going to be, it's going to be, I mean, for the people who are doing the double Bravo, Bravo to them. Kelly definitely has always raced a lot. Um, so this is the first time since 2013 that the 70.3 world championships will be raced in the same city on roughly the same course two years in a row. So seven of the top 10 from 2021 will return to St. George, including defending world champ, Lucy Charles Barclay. And third place finisher, Taylor Nib. So Jocelyn, Haley, I guess we'll all kind of weigh in on this. Do we think past success in a championship setting on this course will favor those athletes? Like, are they just going to be like, man, I know what to do here. I feel like the course at St. George, I, I did it the inaugural year when it was the full Ironman and it is a tough course, but if you've done it before, you know kind of what to expect where I feel like someone that's kind of ha- new to that course may not do as well. So definitely experience would count in that regard. Um, yeah, so I feel like as far as those seven that were in the top 10 do have an edge there. I'd agree. I think experience does help. And I, I mean, I think it's going to be a slightly different weather this year, which um, we'll get to talk about that. So that's going to be interesting. Although 
I mean, I feel like, I don't know, the weather in St. George is always wild. So maybe that's, maybe that's, that's also where experience helps. I, Alyssa, what do you think? No, I think so. Yeah. I think having, you know, again, I don't want to jump ahead to the weather discussion, but I do think that is going to play like a big role in it. Um, and I think that Lucy wasn't coming off Kona right the last time. So like, that's going to be a huge factor. Um, and I mean, Taylor's been Taylor raced in Dallas, but like, you know, I don't know. We don't, I, yeah, there's going to be, I think a lot of things different experience will certainly help, but I do think this will feel like a totally different race. I don't think it's going to play out exactly like we've seen before. So a real wild card addition to this year's field is the Tokyo Olympic gold medalist, Flora Duffy. So Flora has dipped her toe in the non-drafting middle distance racing this year. She'd had solid races at the Collins cup. She was second in her match, but seven minutes behind Daniela reef and at the PTO us open in Dallas, where she finished sixth, eight minutes behind winner, Ashley gentle. And so neither Daniela or Ashley are racing in, uh, in St. George, but Flora also won sprint distance races at the WTCS Hamburg and Commonwealth games this summer. So we know she has it in her to win on the biggest stages. Jocelyn, what do you, do you think she's ready for the 70.3 distance? No, I do not think she's ready. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, I do love and respect Flora and I think she does amazing at the Olympic distance and the shorter distances, but just from watching how she's been doing in the longer races this summer, I, I'm not sure. Like, I feel like she hasn't proven herself yet in the longer stuff. I mean, she might surprise us, but I feel like there's such a deep field that there are people in this race that have done a lot better at this distance than she has. And so I don't know what her training has been like, but it seems like she's still been racing the shorter distances and the sprint distances over the summer. Alyssa, were you surprised by that answer? A little bit, but I think that makes sense. I think I will have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Me neither. I mean, I, I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm excited to see her actually race the 70.3. She tried to race in Chattanooga, got COVID. She tried to race in Tremblant. Her bike didn't show up. And so, you know, fingers crossed she and all of her equipment make it to that start line. And she got go. literally the wild card, like a wild card spot. Like yeah. didn't she kind of advocate to get yes. for herself to get the spot. So that makes me think like she is going to be more ready than we might think, but also I mean, why wouldn't you try and get in right when there's like a decent amount of prize money and you're, you've won an Olympic gold medal. Right. So who, I mean, who knows, I guess, but, and she's had COVID twice this year. Right. So, oh no, that's yeah. like, uh, she's had ups and downs, but, but she I don't still know. won the Commonwealth game. Well, yeah. I mean, so you never like, I mean, I'm not counting her out by any means, but all I think Jocelyn could be, could be correct, but let's just say Flora not being ready for a half also is going to be still very impressive. <laughs> yes. Sure. I feel like we need a list of who's had COVID this year. Yeah. <laughs> that would be an the, interesting analysis. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the recovery is like no joke. So that could have really affected how a lot of people's training has gone. Definitely. Sure. Definitely. And okay, so we are going to jump into the weather discussion um, because triathletes love to talk about weather and it does look like St. George could be chilly day, which is 
could be, it is normal for St. George, but St. George is also normally very hot. So all the things are normal Mm -hmm. for St. George. So the current forecast shows a low of 41 degrees Fahrenheit and a a high of 66 degrees Fahrenheit with light winds, a low chance of precipitation. And last year, Lucy's winning time of four hours flat was done in a non-wetsuit swim on a day when a storm rolled in. Pros were on the run. Is that when they were like holding down the barrier? Like people were like holding the barriers or am I I think it was nuts. I think it was totally nuts. So Jocelyn, do we think these cooler, calmer temperatures are going to favor other athletes? Like we just saw Lucy clearly does well in heat, right? And stuff like that. So will others maybe have a chance to shine in non- hot islandy temperatures so i was thinking if it's cooler colder then the canadians and the brits might have an edge um i also saw jackie herrings from wisconsin so she she might really like the colder temps as well although i feel like colder and cooler is one thing but like colder and torrential rain would favor people that like train in crappy weather <laughs> even more. Yeah. If it was the rain with snow, Jack, you'd be like, let me just, I brought my snowshoes. I'm just going to put those on, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to be an incredibly fast day. Like that's what I think when I look at those temperatures, I know that there's, I mean, I'm someone who love, love, loves those temperatures. And so I'd be like throwing myself a little party that that was going to happen. But I do think people are probably a little bit nervous about being cold coming out of the water, but I think you have that adrenaline you're riding uphill almost immediately and it's going to feel amazing on the run. I mean, I, as someone Mm -hmm. who just did a very hot race and was like begging for every drop of water and aid station I could find. I mean, I think this is going to be a very different experience. I mean, if it's in the sixties on that run or even a little below that, I think we're going to see really fast time. So Lucy going four hours last year, I'm like, do we see a sub four hour winning time? I mean, do you think that's going to happen? That'd be amazing. That'd be yeah, that'd be really fun. Yeah. So um, we can talk about Lucy a little bit more because last year she had a 90 second gap on Taylor Nib coming out of the water. And she just continued to widen that gap throughout the day. She had this fastest swim, fastest bike, fastest run, totally dominant performance. So earlier this year at the PTO US Open in Dallas, we saw Taylor actually swim on Lucy's feet. She exited the water only two seconds behind her and then quickly took the lead on the bike. So Jocelyn, do you expect Lucy to make a swim breakaway this year? Or do you think she might have some company? I think Lucy's always going to try to get a swim breakaway. Uh, It's probably going to be wetsuit legal though. So I feel like when everyone gets to have their wetsuits on, that definitely closes the gap from the slower swimmers to to being able to like jump on faster people's feet because the the advantage is for slower swimmers when when the wetsuits come on. Alyssa, what do you think? Is Taylor going to come out of the water with Lucy or, or others? You know, do you have a few others that you think might be there? Well, they don't have my favorite super swimmer, Haley Chura in the mix <laughs> to mix things up. I, so. I, I love this, that swim though. I mean, I love a wetsuit St. George cold water swim. So I'm yeah, done, but yeah. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how things will happen. And without you there, I'm not going to pay that much attention to the swim, but, um, I do feel like people are going to try and keep her company. Like I, you know, they certainly aren't going to let her go. And I do think, you know, like Jocelyn said, putting on your wetsuit, it's like, they're going to feel a little extra, like, okay, this is going to give me a little help to keep up. So they might have a little bit more kind of oomph in their, in their cadence going for it. I, I agree. I think I, 
I, I was talking to someone this morning who had watched the horse in Hawaii and they noticed how Lucy like took off in the beginning, but then Lauren Brandon actually like kind of started to close the gap later. So that is an interesting, interesting way to race. But I think you have, you know, these ITU athletes like Taylor Nib and Flora Duffy who, who are, have that get out speed, you know, that's how ITU racing is. So I think they're going to be ready for that, for Lucy's move there. And um, we also have some good swimmers like Rachel Olson. I even think Holly Lawrence and Ellie Salthouse have, you know, if the group is big enough, like you might see them there. So I'm predicting group. I think, I think we're going to see a little group, um, which would be exciting. So then if they're coming out of the swim on the bike or out of the swim <laughs> onto the bike, we'll get to speculate dynamics there because at the PTO us open in Dallas, that same race, Taylor had a huge lead on the bike, but she was slowed to a walk during portions of the run. So she held on for second place finish, but her finish line interviews kind of made it seem like maybe she had an injury she was managing. Uh, that was, you know, a while ago and a lot can happen in six weeks. So we're crossing our fingers. She is fully healthy and has put in good run training, but Jocelyn, do you think she'll be riding extra aggressive in case her run isn't hundred percent. Do you think she'll be riding extra aggressive because she might be coming out of the water or the pack and wants to break away? I, I really enjoy watching Taylor race. She's like really young and like fearless. I feel like she rides extra aggressive no matter what. So whether or not we, we don't know much about her injury, I feel like she's kept that kind of under wraps. Um, but I feel like she is going to take it out hard on the bike. And that's, that's a good course for a strong biker. I agree. I, I'm, I'm predicting Taylor takes off on the bike and I think it's going to be cool to watch. Alyssa, what do you think? Yeah, I think, um, you know, and I probably should have thought about this more than right now, but it's like, I do wonder, um, how far back Paula Finley could be, because I'm also thinking about Paula who had a banner year with cycling, um, this year and probably has a lot of extra confidence going into her bike there. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of trying to think like how far back would she be out of the swim? How far back is she normally, you know, would she be in that pack? Um, I mean, if Paula and Taylor could be together, that could be cool. I know Paula oh. wasn't feeling great in Dallas either, but like, that would be, um, Cause I do, I do, I love it when people break away, but I also am here for it. If there's like a two person breakaway and they can help each other a little bit and just like, see if you can get a little bit more out of each other. Right. Um, in that, in that kind of situation. So I would, I would love to see that. And I, Paula's Canadian. And I feel like that's why she didn't do well in Dallas. Quite different because, conditions. Dallas was super yeah, hot. Yeah. True. true. Your, yeah. I mean, I think that was what I, I, I didn't actually hear this quote, but I read it somewhere or someone told to me that she was like, she was, you know, talking about the heat and how it was hard and how Kona would be even worse for her. But I'm like, St. George, if it's like 40, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, that might be perfect for Paula. Yeah. Put her on that list. And let's keep talking about Paula because the highlight of the bike course in St. George comes around mile 42 when athletes start a four mile climb through snow Canyon state park. So according to Strava, the queen of the mountain for snow Canyon segment is Paula Finley from Canada. She said it her time. Okay. This is like fascinating to me. Time Whoa. is 14 minutes and nine seconds from entrance to entrance, which <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. I felt like I was in there for like an hour in May. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> that is why I'm not the queen of that mountain, but Paula was injured. She was able, unable to race in 2021, 
but presumably she did some great training on the course last year. So we, you know, she's had some other great races in St. George in the past. So we put her in that experience bucket as well. Uh, Jocelyn, you know, we we've kind of alluded to this, but could this be the year she puts it all together on a world championship day? I actually just recently started listening to her podcast. So I still love yours more. <laughs> that triathlon life, right? That triathlon life. Yeah, it's we, that we love all podcasts. Yeah, I listen to it too. It's okay. <laughs> I don't just have ours on repeat in my ears at all time. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> so it's been it's been fun like listening to her and Eric talk about like their training and their thoughts on stuff. Um, I feel like she she has been healthy like for this whole year after being kind of injury prone in the past. So I feel like if she's having a great day, then she's gonna, she, she's on my podium pick. We'll go into that later, but I think she's going to have a really good day. And Alyssa, it sounds like, it sounds like, I mean, you were already bringing her up earlier. So, so do you think, you know, you're, you're hoping for a Taylor Nib, Paula Finley breakaway. Um, like, do you think she keeps it going through the run? I think, I mean, when Paula's on, she's like really on, you know, and I, I really like watching her race. I think she has so much fun when it's a good day for herself. And so, uh, she like feeds into that. And like you said, I think the weather conditions, she's trained there before she knows like that area, it's not going to be a surprise what's coming. Um, so I think she's a contender for sure. We'll say that. I don't know. She might be going in a little under the radar on this just because of because of how Dallas, everyone's all, I mean, she got second in Edmonton, right? So it's, she's had a great, great year, but we all just like remember the most recent race. And so maybe we like have forgotten that, but, um, but I do, I agree with y'all. I mean, we have this, the weather and she's shown she can race really well on that course. I mean, she won it a few years ago. So the North American championship. And so I think we haven't seen Paula at her very best on a 70.3 worlds, like, course or that day. And so that would be fun if it came together this year. I I agree. And as we continue to dig into the course, the biggest course change from 2021, um, comes on the run. So the 2022 court run course is still very hilly two loops, but this year athletes will go through the red Hills golf course, which has everyone's favorite thing to run on with a race cart paths and fairway grass. And then you return to town via diagonal drive, which should be a more gradual descent than the skyline parkway descent from 2021, which I understand was even even looked like when things look steep on the coverage, that's like pretty big. So, um, yeah, they've changed a lot of that. And according to PTO rankings, the best runners in the race are Canadian Tamara Jewett, Brit Emma Pallant Brown, and from France, the woman whose name I'm about to not get correct, probably. Let me give it, don't tell me yet. Marjolaine, Marjolaine, Pierre, how did I do? That sounds good to me. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I do, my French is, uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to say bad in French. <laughs> well, we're going with that. And so Jocelyn, do you agree with these rankings? Are you going to avoid that uh are you just going to keep Tamara and Emma up top so you don't have to try and say the the Marshall Lane's name um <laughs> or do you think there's someone else that we're not thinking of who might have really good cart and grass running skills cart path and grass running skills who might be you know that we're not thinking of 
That's such a funny question because uh, I was I was trying to think like do we know anyone specifically that has a cross-country background and feel like Taylor <laughs> Taylor does <laughs> I mean could that be Taylor's advantage she ran cross-country at was it Ithaca or Cornell somewhere Cornell, like, I think yeah. yeah Cornell so I mean she did run cross-country do you and not that long ago is that an advantage that may be an advantage. It's, I don't know. It's not. Tamara as- also looks very light on her feet when she's running, right? I feel like she just runs that same speed. She's like a gazelle, right? Like just very light on her feet and able to dance across the terrain is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> you sound like the guys in the two brands <laughs> dancing on the pedals and she, <laughs> she, she dances on the cart path. <laughs> so I don't know that. So if it were say like, sand running I feel like that's a significant difference than like running on the road I don't know how much of an advantage you would get having special grass running skills (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) the grass isn't that different I've done a few races that had grass um from like mixed surfaces the uh challenge championship course in Shamarin which you know part of the Collins Cup is on that like you ran on quite a few different surfaces for that race and I enjoyed it. Like for my brain, it felt, you know, just kind of nice to be like, I'm on the, you know, horse track and now I'm on the grass and now I'm on the, you know, pavement again. Um, but it definitely was like different. Like it definitely felt different. And, you know, with super shoes, do super shoes work well on grass? Do we know? I mean, I'm sure they do. I have worn super shoes on in a trail race on like a dirt Jeep road and they definitely work. So I would still be in my super shoes on cart paths and grass for sure. Yeah. But okay. So, so you think, okay, who, who Jocelyn, who do you think is going to have the fastest run split? I think Last it's going to be Lucy. I think it'll be so Emma. Fun. You think it'll be Emma. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got my eye on Emma. Okay. Um, and let's talk about money here because the 70.3 world championship is going to pay a $350,000 prize purse to the top 15 women and men. First place earns $50,000, second, $25,000, and third, $18,000. 15th place takes home $3,000. And, but that's not it. That's not all. That's not all. <laughs> because as we near the end of the year, athletes are also competing for their portion of the $2 million year end PTO bonus, where the top ranked athlete will earn $100,000. The 20th ranked athlete will earn $10,000. And the 100 ranked athlete will earn $2,000. So Jocelyn, do you think these financial incentives and the expansion of money that's available in the sport compared to past years is influencing how people race? I think absolutely. I wish they had the PTO back when I was racing because I would, you know, you could at least try to get top hundred in the world and still get a payout at the end of the year. But definitely with the way I feel like Ironman prize purses have been pretty stagnant. I mean, they only just started paying up to top 15 and not just top 10. And that hundred grand prize for Kona, I feel like has been the same for what, two decades? Something crazy like that? Not accounting for inflation in those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and yet the entry fees have gone up a crazy amount. When I first registered as an amateur, I was like 19 years old and it was $325 for a full Ironman official MDOT. And now I don't even know how much it is. It's like what, seven or $800? I think it's over eight, yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's very good point. Alyssa, do you think, do you think the money is influencing? I'll, I'll add a few more. I, I think I did look up a few PTO rankings, like currently going into this race. Annie Haug is ranked number one. Uh, she's not racing. Lucy is ranked number four and she is racing. So, you know, a really, really good day could possibly move Lucy up quite a bit. Taylor Nib is ranked 48th. And a lot of that is because she only, she's only done two races that count and they take the best three. So obviously a, a finish is going to shoot her up the rankings. And then you have athletes like Tamara Jewett, who we br brought up, she's ranked number 21. So she's like right on that bubble to like where you get, I think 21 gets like $5,000 and 20 gets 10,000. So, I mean, you're trying to make, ah, move up one bit and like make a lot more money. So what do you think, Alyssa? I think that the athletes would like rankings to influence their racing, but I think people are still very confused with how the rankings are done. I know I saw some hubbub on Twitter recently that after Kona, like Lucy's swim ranking actually dropped and stuff like that. And so like her and Reese were tweeting at the powers that be that are just like, you know, kind of throwing their hands up, like you're damned if you do, do they and know, you're damned if you don't. Do they know that the thing, swim right? ranking doesn't matter? Well, so I, but I, guess, no I guess my point for being, the ranking, I, um, I've checked, no, but my point being, I think that all goes into the main algorithm, right. Of like where you stand over is my assumption. And so, I mean, again, I didn't read too much other than seeing that was going on and being like, Oh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not doing the algorithms for the PTO. Um, but I mean, I think I, I don't know. I, I think there's always discussion about like how they really work. And I think people are still kind of not sure. I think it doesn't always line up. So I think people are kind of like crossing their fingers and hoping a good race means they move up and get bonus money. But I think it's hard to like count on that. Cause you also, yeah, yeah you don't know. What obviously else is Lucy happen. is watching. I mean, they noticed that. So oh, yeah, no, I think they are, but watching. I think, right. And I think they want it to work in their favor, but I'm, I'm not sure if it changes like kind of how they're going to race other than just racing hard. Like, I think they're just going to race hard to race hard. I think it absolutely changes how they race. I think that the fact that Lucy and Reese care about that shows that it changes. And I do think a first place here, but in what way, like, how are they? Oh, changing she wants to be race? number one. She, I mean, I think like she talked about like at Elsinore last year. So like the races when, she's picking or like in the yeah. race, you think she, I think both like in Elsinore last year at the like European championship, she was really angry that her ranking or that her, the algorithm, you know, didn't give her a higher score because she had had the fastest swim, fastest bike, fastest run and broke the course record. And she was angry. She didn't get a higher score that would move her up the rankings. So I think she's absolutely, you know, went to Elsinore, went to the 70.3 European championship, went to dominate all three disciplines, hoping to get a lot of points. And so, you know, we hear her complaining when it doesn't yield the points that she believes she deserves. I think absolutely the athletes have been like chasing the bigger prize purses, like whether or not it's to their final ranking, but at least we know we've seen, we've seen how many people have gone to like Edmonton and Dallas to get those, the, is it $1 million? Yeah. $1 million prize purse at those races. The prize Plus, purse, yeah. Those PTO, I think the PTO races come with like a 5% bonus in yes. points. And so that increases your ranking. And, um, so, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if someone like, like me personally, like when I'm racing in Kona, I'm not like, 
oh my gosh, go a little bit faster so that you can close the gap and maybe get one more point. Like that thought was not going through my head. I would have been like, I'm going as fast as I can. Torsten just like, and I mean, there's certain things where I look at my thing and I'm like, do I really like believe that Tremblant earned that many more points than my race in Kona? I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know, like, I think that there's obviously issues working out, but, um, but I think that, I think it's influencing. I think that money is influencing who is racing when and where and how frequently it may cause someone to extend their season a little bit more. Right. Like if yeah. you had wanted to be done by now, but you're like, wait a second, I could bump up my ranking a little bit more and get a little bit of that year end bonus, then shoot, I'd still keep racing. Um, we will tell our picks for the women's podium one to three, as well as our dark mare selection. Someone you think is flying under the radar, but could surprise us with a great race. And I will also share the two en entries and Haley, you had some too, two others yes, um, yes, that we, we got to the mailbag. So yeah. yeah. Should we start with our, we had a few, few people who, uh, who wrote in with, yeah, uh, let's start with our listener podium picks. So you can go. Okay. MTL wrote in and they picked Taylor for first, Lucy for second and Flora for third. And then I also had Claire write in and they picked Lucy for first, Paula for second and Taylor for third. They, they were predicting that Taylor might get cold. So they think mm. that Taylor can't handle the cold. So I mean, the cold Taylor's a third place Taylor, but uh, no, I thought she couldn't <laughs> handle the heat, and that's what happened in Dallas. <laughs> well, obviously, you don't share those picks, but uh, Alyssa, what, what, are you, who, what listeners uh, wrote in for you? So we have from Shelly. Uh, Shelly thinks Taylor will win, Lucy second, and Paula for third. With Shelly sent in her dark mirror pick of Tamara Jewett, and Andrea sent in Flora to take the win. Lucy in second and Paula in third. So some good different podium picks, little shuffles, lots of the same name, but a little shuffling in the order here. Yeah. Um, Haley, what about you? Who, what were your Are, picks? We'll Jocelyn. Yeah, we're saving Jocelyn for last. And since I <laughs> jumped it, I'm putting you okay. next. <laughs> I picked, I'm picking Taylor Nib for the win. I think Team USA, I want, you know, we had American women, winner in Kona, American winner in uh, uh, um, St. George. And I think those grass, running skills are going to pay off. <laughs> um, I picked Lucy Charles Barclay for second. Um, you know, I think, she, like you mentioned, it's a little bit different year. She's she is coming off Kona. Um, I think she's going to have a great race, but I, um, I mean, I'm still tired from Kona. I imagine she has to be right. Um, and then for third, I picked Emma Pallant Brown. I just, I feel like Emma has, has been a little bit under the radar this year, did not get to race in the Collins cup and just, you know, is going to want to unleash and, you know, show everyone that, Hey, I'm still here. And my dark mare is actually Grace Alexander who just won in, uh, Augusta 70.3 and we share the same coach. So I'm going with the like slight nepotism, uh, Jocelyn theory. <laughs> <laughs> Good picks. Um, okay. I will, I'm going to go with Emma Pallant Brown for the win actually. Woo. Um, I'm picking Taylor for second. I think I'm inspired youth ruled the youth ruled a lot in Kona. I feel like we saw a lot of that going on. So I still feel like Taylor's got youth on her side. Annie Hogg's like out. 40. 
that's true. I guess I'm mostly thinking about the men's race, but um, anyway, that's my reasoning for, for that. And then uh, I'm going with Paula for third. And my dark mare isn't really much of a dark mare because we all know she is perfectly capable of putting herself on this podium, but I'm going with Jackie Herring. Jocelyn, our ex okay. long star. Let, yeah, let's hear your picks. All right. So for the win, I have Alyssa's dark mare, Jackie Herring. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. All right. What's the, th so, what's the thinking behind which that? Which actually, that was what happened because my dark mare was Chelsea for the That's Irish. right. So, oh, oh. All right. Oh. Yeah. So what's okay. your thinking? Yeah. What's the thinking okay. behind Jackie? So she won Escape from Alcatraz this year. And that's that's where I grew up. It's super hilly. And she's just been doing better and better in these shorter distances. But also, she's an American and she's a mom. I know. Oh, so you got I that. am super biased towards American moms that I think are still she did racing. have um, COVID earlier this year, but maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Probably not a good thing. Maybe she rested and took some time. But um, that is, those are some good symmetry there. That was even better than mine. So who's second? So second, I have Paula Finlay. Because okay. she's Canadian, she's been healthy, and she's trained on the course. And yeah, like you said, she was queen of the mountain for Snow Canyon. So I, I think she's going she's gonna to rip a good one. And my third, I have Emma Pallant-Brown. All right. She's going to catch up with those running skills. Um, so I think Lucy's going to be a little bit tired from Kona. And... Taylor. So I think Taylor's going to have a good front half of the race, but just seeing the way she like blew such a big lead in Dallas, I feel like people that have a strong run are going to catch up to her. Do you have a dark mare? So my dark mare is Sarah Bishop. All right. Another and podcast guest we've had. Yes. So another American mom. I, Another American mom, mom of four, and she's also 40 like I am. So I'm biased in that way. <laughs> but I know she's been doing, uh, she just got second in Waco in crappy conditions. And I know she needs work on the swim. She'll be the first to admit that, but she's had a really strong year of cycling. She won the master's 40K TT in like a really quick time and she went to Europe to do some bike racing. So I feel like those bike skills are going to actually come out and she's going to surprise some people. All right. Well, there's your expert picks. I mean, Jocelyn, you keep things very interesting. So we appreciate that. Uh, I, I should have written down how everyone can watch it's happening tomorrow. By the time this airs, it was happening on, on Friday. Facebook or Iron Man now, right? I think. Yeah. yeah. Iron Man now it might be on outside, outside plus TV. Maybe um, I would check I like Iron Man now. I feel like what time does it start? Cause I'm planning to do a long run on Friday morning, but I'm on the East coast. Probably. I'm trying to think of like when the sun would be coming up. I mean, probably as early as it can, right? Between 6.30 and seven. So is St. George, what time zone St. George in? Are they the same as West Mountain Coast? time, I think. Or an hour, maybe an hour yeah, away. I should know this. I think it might be the same time zone as me. Um, yeah. 
Here we go. I got it. How to watch the 2022 Ironman 70.3 World Championship. Thank you, Triathlete Magazine, Susan Lakey. Um, okay. Looks like it's going to be on Triathletes. Oh, they're going to post updates on Triathletes. It says Outside Watch. Free live stream will take place exclusively on Outside Watch. Uh, complete what? coverage Ooh. will start at 9 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Mountain Time. And that is on Friday and same time for the men's race on Saturday. So, uh, yeah. And if you are an outside plus member, you can, uh, join and you can watch the replay. So I don't, yeah. So it's kind of interesting, a little bit different, uh, way to watch. So I have to figure out, will that work with your run, Jocelyn? You can get it. Oh my gosh. I was just thinking, Alyssa, like your other advice was to do a treadmill marathon. And I was, there you go. I was watching conditions. No, I'll do the agility (laughs) ladder, but not the treadmill marathon. But now I'm like, I was planning to do my run at nine because I don't work on Fridays. And how am I going to run outside and follow the race? You're not. You're just going to watch it on the treadmill and the marathon. Perfect. It's like You'd meant be to so be inspired. Jocelyn. You're going to be watching the most car pass and on that grass being like, I can take on the Appalachian trail. No problem. <laughs> but thank you so much, Jocelyn, for joining us. Uh, this has been fun. I'm excited to watch the race and see how it all unfolds. And, um, oh, is there going to be a prize for whoever came up with the clothes? Like, are we going to do like cross-country scoring or something like that? Do, does anyone have a good prize idea for our picks? Just like bragging rights. Like usual. You gotta hit up the sponsors of the podcast. Yeah. And... You need some foot scrub, some try hard foot oh, yeah. scrub. That would be that's sounds right. like a 50k runner could really use that. Or 50 mile or runner. Oh my 50 gosh. Miles. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely can use the foot scrub. Yeah, that'll be a good one. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you to uh Jocelyn for joining us and thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you, Alyssa, for another great week. And I will talk to you all next week. Thank Bye. you for having me. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.